This is The Think Tank with Dr. Mike O'Neill, talking about the major political, economic, and social issues of the week. KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. The Think Tank. We have a couple of topics, and our primary topic uh, this week is uh, APS, energy, the Corporation Commission. We have with us the corporate, the APS is probably chief nemesis in the state of Arizona, the aptly named Stacey Champion. Welcome to the show. Thank and, you. Uh, and joining us after her for uh, a bit is uh, former Attorney General uh, Terry Goddard. Welcome also. Thank you, Mike. And welcome back to both of you. Both been here before, so we, so we know the drill. So uh, there was a uh, uh, issue that you took on, Stacy, with uh, the issue of uh, rate uh, a, a rate program that was uh, uniformly by APS judged as incomprehensible. And you started. Uh, well, why don't you tell us about uh, what you did and how it evolved? It, it ended up with an attorney general um, uh, settlement with the company. So that's that's Terry's part of this. Uh, well, it wasn't him, but uh, but uh, but I'm sure you can speak to the to the issue. So why don't you tell us the story? Well, Stacey, let me even back up off of that because I think it would be fascinating for people. How did you get involved? You're a you're a citizen. You ran a small public relations firm. Um, but you you didn't start out as an energy expert. I think people would find it fascinating to to know how did you get in this business in the first place. Sure. So I'm kind of by by accident. I mean, I I have always um, I have paid attention for the over 20 years I've lived in Arizona to energy. I'm a proponent of renewable energy. Uh, I, I think it's a common sense. Thing in one of the sunniest states in the country. So I've paid attention to um, what's been happening uh, with regard to you know, energy and the Arizona Corporation Commission and things of that nature. But um, when APS had their last rate hike, which I still believe was unjust and unjustified, I had been watching the amount of money on the campaigns of those who regulate the Corporation Commission. And there were very few questions kind of asked. It was just kind of a rubber stamping the rate hike. I I just kind of paid attention to it on the periphery. I wasn't an intervener or really actively involved. But then um, post-rate hike, I just started paying attention to my own own bills. Uh, I am a single mom. I'm a small business owner. I don't have a trust fund, you know, so I uh, I try to watch, you know, watch my money. And what was advertised by both the Arizona Corporation Commission and APS was this 4.5% average increase on your bill. And when I started looking at my own energy use, I was using less energy, both on and off peak. And my average was much higher it was at least double the 4.5%. And I saw an article um, that winter by Ryan Randazzo that talked about this statute that allowed for up to 25 customers to basically file a complaint to the justness and the reasonableness of the rates. And so I did that, not really thinking like, hey, you're about to take on a multi-billion dollar uh, utility monopoly. 
<laughs> which was kind of crazy. But so we ended up in this, it's been this, you know, multi-year kind of battle. We had a, I filed a formal complaint. We had a five-day hearing, um, but I've gone so far down the rabbit hole. And also by Pad Gonkar, who served as my expert, he too, like we're just on this, you know, truth-seeking mission. And so even post that complaint, uh, we've just continued to, you know, I'm constantly pulling public records requests and he's constantly kind of crunching data. And uh, one of our discoveries post my complaint was that the rate comparison tool that they were having customers use uh, was flawed. And so he and I outed that um, just over a year ago, it, it will, it came out in the news, November of last year, um, not this past year, but the year before. And so that kind of led us to this, uh, this AG's opinion that the, their education and outreach plan was not sufficient, which we had already, you know, determined that I think ad nauseum. Because and, people insufficient because people were not at the end of it able to understand what they were doing. Nobody under nobody understands, and and it's complex by design. It's confusing by design. Um, they added in in the last uh, rate case, they added uh, demand charges for residential customers, and and all of these different kind of confusing things. It was actually, so this rate comparison tool was actually steering people to more expensive plans. And, you know, to the, to the tune of uh, APS earning, I, I still contend that it's over earning. Uh, they do not, of course, but to the tune of over a hundred million dollars per year. And as long as this flawed rate design stays in effect, they're going to continue uh, over earning that hundred hundred plus million dollars per year. That's a hundred so plus million dollars per year in excess of the four point five percent that the corporation commission granted. Yeah, well, and the four point five percent we proved in my complaint is really more along the lines of nine to twelve to fifteen percent, sometimes even much higher. And at what point in this process did the attorney general get involved? Well, so the attorney general got involved after the news came out, after the news broke about this flawed uh, rate comparison tool, you know, and, and understand too, there have been, you know, all of these different independent studies that the commissioners uh, pushed for. Basically, like, Abai and I, like the, the work that we've done is opened up Pandora's box to this massive never ending shell game um, that's super wonky because you have you know base rates and you have adjusters and you have all of these numerous adjusters that are moving up and down outside of the rate cases and all these things that are just very, very complicated and you know, as just a normal person down there, I've just tried to relay over and over and over the fact that like people really just want to be able to know like what they're going to have to pay so they can budget their money properly. And, and that is not what we have. And toward the end of former chairman Burns's time at the commission, 
he finally at one of the, I don't remember if it was in an open meeting or whatever, uh, he said finally that he believed that the rate design was flawed. So, so the attorney general got involved, did this very back room secretive because we have no idea, um, you know, what, what he kind of did or didn't do settlement agreement. Joe Dana with 12 News has done some good reporting on it. And um, per his investigating, he has discovered basically that they didn't do any interviews with anybody. They didn't do any depositions with anybody. So we will we will return and we will get the opinion of a for, uh, a former attorney general on how the case was handled at this point. When we return with Stacy Champion and upcoming Terry Goddard in a moment in the Think Tank. Let the river run, let all the dreamers wake the nation. Come the new Jerusalem. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We've been discussing with Stacey Champion, her tangling with the Corporation Commission and APS. And I want I, Terry Goddard, former attorney general, is here. And uh, we got to the point where she started dealing with the attorney general. At what point is it appropriate for an attorney general to get involved with an issue like this? And uh, what's your take on how it was handled? Well, thank you, Mike. And, and I think we all owe Stacey Champion a huge debt of gratitude. I mean, for a citizen to sort of come off the bench and for 20 years, I believe she said, and I, 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 I can testify that that's about right. Uh, she has been a consumer advocate uh, without compensation and and uh, and and I think a, a very important voice in trying to keep our our utility rates uh, somewhat reasonable. So thank you so much. Uh, I mean, what you've done has been heroic. Um, and I, I'm, I'm an expansion person in terms of attorney general, uh, both responsibility and authority. I, I believe that that have the, uh, when, when a consumer fraud appears to have happened, and I think that is a charitable way to describe the, uh, the mass confusion of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Arizonans in terms of, of this new rate uh, structure. Um, I think uh, Attorney General Vernovich uh, probably had the grounds to step in. Now, the, the surprising thing is that, of course, the Corporation Commission has the authority here. Uh, they have the ability to hold rate hearings. They have the ability to do investigative uh, uh, reports, and, and they have all the records. So Normally, you would wait and see what what the appropriate uh, agency came up with. And if you were absolutely convinced that they were doing a terrible job, uh, then the AG under the Consumer Fraud Act can step in. And that's what he chose to do, even though I didn't I didn't hear. Maybe you can correct me, but I don't think he actually said the commission can't handle it. I think he just said, I'm going to handle it. Um, and then what what Stacy said that I thought was particularly troubling is then there was not a sort of a public inquiry. Uh, the AG has that authority. He or she can secretly 
look into something. But when there's such an amazing consumer interest in a, an issue like this, I, I just found it somewhat troubling that it wasn't a wide open process, that he didn't essentially hold his own set of hearings in public to find out who was harmed and how much. And, you know, I'm one who, again, as I said, takes an expansionist view. The Consumer Fraud Act gives you a $10,000 penalty for every violation of the act. If you had 200,000 people harmed, uh, you can do the math. That's 200,000 times 10,000, which is the potential liability. So it's huge. It's massive. It's way over $25 million. And I think when we try to analyze whether or not this was the right answer or not, we have we have no facts on which to base that decision. And, and that's 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 what troubles me the most. Twenty five million was the amount of the settlement. Yes, that's the amount that they said that would be reimbursed to APS customers who arguably had. And, and Stacy can correct me here. I think had over one hundred dollars of overcharge in this process. Is that, that essentially right? Yeah, that's correct. And and but the other concerning thing too is that um, like I I posted clear uh, evidence into that docket about non-residential customers potentially being impacted by this flawed rate comparison tool that was never looked at. Um, and Terry, I'm excited that you're here because. We're at, if, if I were in that position, don't you think it would have made sense for the AG's office to work in conjunction with the ACC? Because when all of this was blowing up, I was pushing really hard for the AG's office to be open and also for the ACC, for the Arizona Corporation Commission, to put a big thing on their homepage saying, you know, if you feel you've been impacted by this, contact the AG's office. And, and same thing with RUCO, um, I pushed for it. And I feel like, I feel like there was no, you know, public facing thing to get as much information as possible. I, I would have thought the, 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 the absent of showing that the Corporation Commission was somehow criminally involved with the agency under under investigation, in this case, Arizona Public Service, I, I would think that would have been the, the logical uh, conclusion. And, and I, I never saw the first step being taken. In other words, I, if, if, if in fact he genuinely felt the Corporation Commission was incapable or, or somehow compromised, then going on his own, I think, is appropriate. But I, I, I didn't I never heard that that finding being made. So I don't know why it was done entirely by the attorney general. Um, maybe there's a, a reason out there that I'm just missing, but I, I if, it, if it had been me in that position, I think I would have wanted to do a joint investigation, use the public procedures and the investigative tools of the Corporation Commission, which are massive. Uh, there's tremendous amount of, of uh, authority that they have if they choose to use it. Um, and the AG has to start from scratch because the AG is not in the business of regulating Public utilities. Uh, the AG is in the business of hopefully protecting consumers in court, uh, and sometimes that requires him to become the uh, very knowledgeable about a number of specialized areas. But you, I, th I think your point is 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 overwhelmingly good. The Corpcom has the has both the authority and the tools. They ought to be used. 
Do you, real quick, Terry, just for you, we've got just about 10 seconds. Do you think the AG jumped in in part because the ACC wasn't doing their job? I think so, I, maybe, maybe. I, I, did you hear him say that, though? I, I didn't. I, I, uh, that may have been his opinion, but I, I think you need to have a public determination first. They're not doing their job. They're compromised. Therefore, I'm going to do it. Um, that's the implication, but I just never heard that said. We'll pick this up in just a moment after the break in the think tank talking APS energy and the like. Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Uh, we are here with Stacey Champion and former Attorney General uh, Terry Goddard talking about APS, the Corporation Commission, regulation of utilities, utility rates and the like. Uh, there has in recent years been a, a fairly unsavory history of APS engaged in political spending to elect commissioners to the Corporation Commission, which is the body that that they APS is a regulated monopoly and the ACC is the constitutionally established body that is charged with regulating utilities really in the state of Arizona. It's really a fourth branch of government, as as I see it, that has independent authority, independent of the other three. Um, I my impression is that the new leadership at APS promised to stop this. And is there any question to you, Stacy or Terry, either of you can jump in. Have they kept that or have there been any skirting around the lines of that? Uh, it looked to me like that they had come clean and said, we're not going to do it anymore. So, so I think... What is a really important distinction that I think a lot of people um, missed is that when when Don Brandt, former CEO Don Brandt, was pushed into retirement, Jeff Goldner, who's been at the company, stepped in. Uh, he made that very clear statement about them not uh, contributing any longer to to Corpcom campaigns and races and getting involved with those who regulate them. Many people misunderstood and thought that meant politics in general, which is very, very, very far from the case. Um, they, if anything, have, I think, you know, bolstered trying to buy up everybody else outside of the corporation commissioner. And one of uh, an interesting thing that just came up recently uh, when Jeff Goldner was being questioned by Commissioner Sandra Kennedy was whether or not they had donated to the campaign of now Representative Parker, who is Commissioner Justin Olson's former policy advisor, now a state rep. And they did donate to her campaign and admitted to that recently. So, I mean, it Here's the deal. Like the the tentacles are are long and far reaching, and uh, I don't see them and, until Terry's longtime mission 
comes to fruition. I don't see them trying to stop buying those in power, um, Republican, independent Democrats. Like their goal is to buy whoever can help them. Tara, let me ask you this directly. I mean, I, I think one of the most direct uh, relationships I've saw, e even if you stay out of the Corporation Commission, there is a proposal in the legislature to curtail the powers of the Arizona Corporation Commission. So it seems to me that involvement in a legislative race has a direct potential tie to regulation of APS. Being involved in politics, uh, as Stacey just made, then you made the point uh, that they, they, they can have a surprisingly direct impact upon the regulation. So I, I applaud Jeff Goldner for, for turning the company in some different directions and specifically resolving to stay out of uh, out of the Corporation Commission. But that isn't the, en the end of the story, unfortunately. And I think uh, just to, to, to play my favorite harmonica, uh, I believe until we have clear, unequivocal disclosure of all money that's spent in politics, including the the shadowy reaches of the so-called dark money, the uh, the undisclosed uh, money that goes through uh, these nonprofit shells. The original uh, source, not the shell the, outfits that are in. Right. We need we need to know who the original source is, and at that point, we'll be able to at least say with knowledge, X, Y, and Z Corporation was a major player in this race. Right now, we can't say that in Arizona. We we have completely uh, completely precluded because our our legislature has passed rules that have made us the most permissive uh, state, I believe, in the country to dark money. To, to so, and and let's not uh, you you have to engage in this discussion by making some very careful distinctions about about Arizona public service. I mean, this is a big, big employer, big uh, investor in our community. They've done some really commendable things over the years, and for a long time. The idea of dipping their toe in trying to influence the Corporation Commission was something their leadership would not abide by. Uh, you know, they've had under Keith Thurley, under Dick Snell, under a variety of, of uh, under Post, uh, they've had, I think, really stand up leadership. And they, they fought for their uh, their profit margin, of course, that was their job, but they did not try to influence the political uh, Don Brand changed that uh, and and went heavily. He, he didn't break the law. I want to be very clear that I'm not accusing anybody of doing that. But he certainly used the law as it exists in Arizona to their great advantage as a corporation. And they prospered amazingly. Um, and I think we're beginning to see a change in that uh, uh, that uh, that direction. But we never can say for sure until we have total transparency about who's spending what for, for cash, for money in, in Arizona politics. And we don't have that today. Let me ask well, Stacey about one thing. I was just going to say, do that really quickly. Commissioner Sandra Kennedy has really um, kind of picked up the, the ball after, you know, Burns left. And so she has continued to, and just recently, um, it's more of the political spending and the lobbying spending and stuff was requested by her and put into the docket. And if you look at the Pinnacle West PAC, it, like Terry said there, I mean, if, if you have, it would take you days to create this spreadsheet to like follow the money to see who's really, you know, benefiting at the end of it. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a very tangled, web, I think. But 
you know, ties back to um, they're going to continue to try to buy those in power. Like the, the kudos that I will give, and this is probably the only kudos I would ever give APS, um, is that they do have in the current rate case a really good uh, package tied to just an equitable energy transition for Navajo, Hopi, and, and rural communities that I think should be picked up by other utilities. But outside of that, I still contend that they're um, the, the Death Star, the Darth Vader of utilities. <laughs> Well, without going into Death Stars, the the uh, what what Commissioner Kennedy, I, I think you make a great point. What she did, along with former Commissioner Burns, um, was to force some disclosure of what had been on the rate hearings as simply an amorphous account called public relations. And all of a sudden, when they had to dig into that, it turned out that literally tens of millions of dollars have been spent to influence elections, and they'd have been spent through some dark money. Uh, intermediaries so that until they for the commission forced some disclosure, nobody knew. They they, they knew there had been some 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 amazing influences that have we never seen before, but they never knew the amount and until that disclosure came out. And and it was uh, I'm hard to shock, but I was shocked at at the, at the huge amount of money that they spent to make sure that they had control at the corporation commission. Now those oh. days hopefully are behind us. But it was a black spot on our state. I want to ask Stacy about one thing that it seemed from the outside that APS committed to that sure sounded like a good thing. And that was a pretty aggressive schedule of implementation of solar. Did I miss something there? Or the, are we talking about the clean energy rules? Yeah, that they would commit to a certain percentage of uh, clean energy generation by, I think it was 2030 or something like that. And I remember it yeah. being... Well, well beyond what they were being ordered to do. Well, so the the clean energy rules have been worked on for for a number of years now. I mean, there's thousands of records in the in the docket right now, and that's one of the things when we talk about the legislature. Um, so the the legislature has has been running, and they're I think both kind of stalled out right now because um, Boyer came out in opposition to supporting it basically. But so you have, you know, the as you call it, the fourth branch of government, these clean energy rules have been getting worked on for a number of years now, tons of stakeholders, tons of workshops, tons of engagement. And, uh, and, the, and now the legislature, this uh, this session and and it's being supported by Ducey, our governor, uh, would basically kill, crush these clean energy rules that everybody has been working on. Which is just it's it's a, it's bad for the economy. It's it's bad for business. It's bad for the environment. Um, but so why do they do this if even APS is willing to do this? Well, that's the thing. And so APS had not publicly opposed these bills at the legislature, uh, Commissioner Anatovar, basically uh, not terribly long ago. And I think there's been, you know, there have been different op-eds and different people weighing in on it, but uh, Commissioner Tovar put a letter into the docket, basically pushing APS into a corner saying, 
you know, you, you're the ones who have been supportive of doing this. Like you need to, where do you stand on it? And kind of made them publicly weigh in. So they just recently on the record opposed these bills. So we'll be back and I want to shift gears a little bit. Uh, I want to play an editorial and and get Terry. The subject is broadly democracy and fair elections. When we return for final segment, in the thinking. The Think Tank. KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We've been talking with citizen activist Stacey Champion, former Attorney General Terry Goddard. Um, uh, I want to hear for just a moment uh, from Jim Small, who's an editor at the Arizona Mirror. He has some observations on recent voter suppression efforts. It's little wonder that the Republican Party is embracing counter-majoritarian policies. They know full well that they will lose their grip on power at the ballot box if they're forced to run on their actual ideas and records. So they're going to rig the system so they can control the nation's direction as a minority. That's particularly true in Arizona, where Republicans are increasingly unpopular in a state experiencing seismic demographic shifts that will, in the very near future, treat the GOP the way a hammer treats a nail. It's precisely why Arizona Republicans are pushing a slew of proposals this year that aim to cut the number of people who vote, make it harder for everyone to cast a ballot, and to make those votes count for less. The self-described champions of the free market can't compete in the marketplace of ideas without putting a thumb, or even their whole hand, on the scale. Take, for instance, the bill that would remove registered voters from the permanent early voting list if they miss an election, or the legislation that would shorten the early voting period and throw out ballots that arrive by election day if they aren't postmarked at least five days earlier, or the bill that would require people who request an early ballot also send back an affidavit with a copy of their driver's license or their electric bill or their passport if they want that ballot counted. Or the measure that says all ballot initiatives must win at least 55% of the vote to pass. Or the proposal to require petition circulators for those ballot initiatives to read the legally required 100-word description out loud to every single person who signs that petition, or else those signatures are disqualified. Of course, a counter-majoritarian party has to be counterfactual as well. It can't actually win support if it's honest about what it is. As press critic and journalism professor Jay Rosen wrote for the New York Review in November, it has to fight with fictions. And that's precisely why we now find Republicans screaming to high heavens about the dangers of mail-in ballots. These GOP lawmakers, every single one of them, were elected by constituents who requested an early ballot and then mailed it in or dropped it off at a polling location. And that's not hyperbole. Some 85% of the votes in Arizona in 2020 were cast by early ballot. In Maricopa County, it was 92% of the vote. So either these Republicans who are calling for absurd overhauls to Arizona's early voting system because they're rife with fraud. This is a system, by the way, that has been in place for 30 years and is a national model for how to do it right. Believe they weren't duly elected or their concerns are manufactured. One might conclude that they want fewer people to vote. And that's precisely what a counter-majoritarian party has to do. It must choose its voters, suppress those who won't support it, and promote fictions, like the notion that voter fraud is rampant. That's how we end up with fantastical stories about a long-dead dictator conspiring with a voting machine company 
and truckloads of Chinese printed ballots being stuffed into ballot boxes, and almost satirically bad fact-free propaganda reports about rigged elections. Those things can lead, as we saw on January 6th, to political violence, and they most certainly lead to the radical anti-democracy proposals that Arizona Republicans are lining up behind. Attacking reality is the new game plan for the counter-majoritarian GOP. If we let them succeed, our chances of holding them accountable at the ballot box becomes that much harder. That was Arizona Mirror editor Jim Small discussing recent voter suppression efforts. Uh, I think the guy who really spilled the beans on this recently, Terry, was uh, John Kavanaugh, who point blank said, if everybody votes, we lose. You, I mean, you've run against Republicans. Do they, do they believe in democracy anymore? Well, you have to question uh, uh, whether they do or not, because challenging the election without grounds, let me be very clear about that, is is tantamount to challenging democracy as a way to govern. And uh, I, I'm very concerned at the debate we have today, especially here in Arizona, where I believe we have on a bipartisan basis established a very high level of integrity and transparency in our election system. And, and I say that from quite a few years of being involved at the city and the, and the state level. Um, and I've won and I've lost. And I can tell you, every time I've lost, I've thought, wow, is there something wrong maybe that uh, my votes didn't get counted? So I've had a chance to go back and, and look at the system very critically. And my conclusion, sometimes regretfully, is that uh, it was done right. It was done well. It was done honestly. And to, without an ounce of, of, of a basis to, to sit here and gratuitously attack it is an attack on our democracy. Because if, if voters don't believe that their vote counts, if they don't believe that a majority should in fact rules, then democracy doesn't exist. So I think Small makes some, some very important points. I think we, this is a fight for this, the heart and soul of our system of government after over 200 years uh, of trying to get it better. And I always thought that was the challenge to make sure that everybody did participate, that they didn't feel excluded. Uh, and I've worked very hard, uh, as many have, to try to make sure that that is possible. Not, not for a partisan end, but to, to make sure that people could be confident of the result when the election was all over. Uh, I think that's gotta be our fundamental uh, commitment. And some of the things that he described as being in the current legislature, and if there's nothing, there's nothing illegal about bringing a crazy idea to the legislature. Lord knows out of the over a thousand bills, there are an awful lot of very weird ones. Uh, but what he described was a whole bunch of ways to go around our constitutional system. And I think that's wrong. And you, what you have is, a, is a, a whole slew of proposals. And there's one common thread to every one of them is that every one of them, it just so happens that it would be more likely to exclude Democrats than Republicans. Republicans. Well, it, 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 we don't even have to get into that, Mike. I think what we what we need to, uh, to to say is why why would you restrict the franchise? Why would you shorten the time? Why would you get rid of mailed ballots? I mean, some states have gone to 100 percent mailed ballots and there's no evidence of fraud or corruption in those states. So what is the problem that you're trying to address? It seems to me that that unless you can identify that, then anything that restricts the franchise is moving in the wrong direction. I've not seen the case being made that there is a problem. So why why are these fixes being proposed? Well, 
candidly and privately, that seems to be the problem that they're saying they have is that the Republicans are losing some elections that they used to win, uh, like the Senate races and the presidency in Arizona, which were were foregone conclusions. We're out of time. Thank you, Terry Goddard. Thank you, Stacey Champion. If you want to uh, connect with me, there's a website, mikeoneal.org. You can you can connect with me via Twitter, Facebook, or email you from that site. We'll see you next week in the thing. So